The Right to Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Ricky and the official sponsor of Fly the Process 5. Use code RTRS for a deposit bonus of up to 500 bucks. And Big Barker Dog Beds, get yours now at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. On today's pod, the Matisse-Thibel game of the year, a comeback game from Joel Embiid and the worst game of Joel Embiid's career. We will talk about both of them. Uh, Jimmy Butler uh, opens his mouth again about the Sixers. Uh, I get the feeling this is going to happen over and over and over again. And as usual, an amazing mailbag, an amazing Lorenzo Brown mailbag. Blue Coats night, uh, two-way night on sale now. Uh, the tickets won't be on sale forever, as uh, I found out that like we're not too far from capacity for the game, which is going to be awesome. A, it'll likely be a, a, a sold-out game on a Friday night down there in Delaware. Let's go. December 20, yeah, that's fucking awesome. Uh, December 27th at the 76ers Fieldhouse in Wilmington. Tickets are 14 bucks, and you get a T-shirt, a co-branded Blue Coats and Ricky T-shirt. You get the game. You get the uh, live Ricky after the game, and uh, dollar dogs. That's right dollar dogs still no confirmation on what they're going to do for me for a dollar because i don't eat hot dogs uh go to rights ricky sanchez.com click on the two-way night logo and it'll give you all the instructions for the uh the promo code and all that without any no yes without any further ado amos and the chef Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is sitting in his Los Angeles apartment giving thanks. That is Mike Levin. What up, man? We're in the Hi. holiday season. Yeah, We're forgetting about the game that happened in Toronto, and we're feeling mm, good about, about our that. guy having a nice game. And that's it. Uh, what, are you, what are you thankful for? <sighs> Everything, man. Things are good. Why not? I get, I should have, actually, I might get a, be getting a call during this uh, podcast from my doctor to see if uh, I have a broken bone in my wrist. So hopefully that answer is no, so I can keep playing basketball and not have surgery. Oh, that is the, the basketball injury that you potentially yeah. have. But, uh, you know, life is good. Good friends, good girlfriend. Almost did, I, I had a good job, and we'll see if we get to make another season of that good job. Um, Man, got a podcast? Wait, Come on. Well, you know, we, we don't uh, talk about that a lot is the the life of the uh, TV writer is that you you write for the show. And then, like, I, I think people would be interested in this. And then after that, you're just not employed until they write again. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, until you can, the, you the can, show gets picked up or sure. You can develop 
other stuff and sell things like we sold that pitch uh, with Ben Simmons last year. Yeah, uh, my partner Patrick and I, um, and uh, and you can try to hop on non-network comedies like a cable or a streaming situation. But those jobs are always smaller rooms and stuff, and kind of hard to come by sometimes. Uh, so yeah, some there's a, you know a decent chance I I don't work until June, but. That's the life, man. That's what we're doing. That's why we keep doing podcasts twice a week because now it's my income again. <laughs> well, the, I, I guess, okay, last question. Can I ask you another question yeah, about okay. it? Yeah, okay. Like, so, so I would imagine, so at this point, when you're trying to fit, when you don't know if the show will get picked up or not, if, if like another job comes along, um, first of all, like, is there any restriction? Can you do whatever you want now? And then if another job comes along, do you have to worry that the other show gets picked up and then you can't do it anymore? Or, or like, do they have the right to take you away from it? How does that work? Yeah. So there's some, there's some things about like, uh, if you get on a show, say we got on a show that started in January or something, if that went for three months, then great. If it goes, if it stretches into when, when perfect harmony would come back for a season two, then that's what's called in first position. And so we have second position uh, for whatever show, additional show we would get on. Um, and so Got that's it. all for our lawyer to figure out. He's an entertainment lawyer. Otherwise, it would be Kornblau. Um, mm, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, the, some actors have uh, like a hold on them, which, is, which, is, which kind of sucks, although they get paid to be held. Like if they're, if they're on a show that they're waiting to come back for another season, the show has like the network has a hold on them or the studio for keeping them from getting onto uh, another show before uh, that season. I think they could still do like, you know, movies or in indie movies or whatever, um, but they wouldn't be able to hop on another another comedy or whatever. That's all that's all my experience. So, well, they get paid I mean, to I think they get paid to hang out, which is, you know, ideal. I I think all we're looking for in life is uh, to be paid to be held. And, uh, that's, that seems like a, a good, a good thing. Hey, Just happy Thanksgiving, man. All right. Hold. Take it easy. All right. See you. Okay. All right. See ya. <laughs> so, uh, so they, all right. So the Kings, uh, not very good. Sixers coming off a, uh, pretty bad loss, not a bad quality loss, but a bad loss in, in some other ways. And we'll talk about the Raptors game second tonight. Definitely. Uh, you know, after a lot of hype, mostly from us, and then I would say actually from national media as well, Matisse Thibel has had a, a rocky, you know, after after the very start, after the first few games, Matisse Thibel has had a sort of an up and down, mostly down season from that. But tonight, I think by far had his best game of the year and, uh, you know, disruptive and hitting shots. Yeah. Well, he so was great. It was so nice to see. Uh, the game, we've talked about this, the game slowed down for him a little bit. He's still kind of skittish and runs around a little bit and doesn't like to have the ball in his hands for too long. Like classic role player on offense, but um, he took like feet set, square threes tonight, hit all three, um, cut pretty well, and, you know, I was, I've been dying to see like a pick your pocket, go the other way with it for a while and we finally got one we kind of got two with the block on healed and then Simmons kicked it to him for a, for a fast break and it, it's really he's so good and he's figuring out how to be good at the NBA level he's fouling too much because NBA refs don't understand that he's like actually not making contact they can't physically like comprehend the physics 
of him defending without fouling, but a lot of times he does, and then he's getting called for, you can tell just by the look in his face, he's like, I didn't do it, but he's a nice guy, and he's not going to complain too much. Um, but, yeah, the offense is going to come. He, it, The shot looks pretty good. He's squaring up. Teammates trust him more and more. Uh, I loved, and this is, I mean, this, this moment was tailor-made for me, um, Embiid passes to a cutting Matisse off out of the double team for uh, a two-handed dunk. Buddy Heald You're going to talk over. about the pat on the head, yeah, aren't you? Yeah, so Buddy Heald yeah. comes over and, and fouls him on the arm. Matisse probably still should have finished the dunk, but he, but he bricked it, goes to the line. Uh, Embiid gives him a look like, come on, man, give me that assist. And yeah. uh, Mike Scott is there also giving him the same look. Mike Scott, who on Twitter uh, or on Instagram has uh, compared Matisse, him and Matisse's relationship to Homer and Bart, which I think is very charming. Uh, and so then Embiid slaps uh, Matisse on the back of the head, and, and Mike Scott does the same. So it's funny that like all the veterans have have Matisse as their like little guy, um, and it's just nice. It's uh, it's so nice. It brings me so much joy watching him do the things he's good at and starting to get better at the things that he uh, you know can improve at. I think too, I, it's obvious the Kings miss De'Aaron Fox uh, because they. You know, like they have to put the ball in the hands of guys who are just not as good. I th- like it was funny to see Thibault like healed trying to get a shot off against Thibault, and yep. healed is is I I remember I think it was on the pod saying that like the reason I didn't like Buddy Healed was that there was this one game in the tournament where I'm like the guy couldn't get a shot off. Um, I forget who was guarding him. Um, but like it was, uh, it, it brought back the memory because uh, I remember talking about healed and in, in it, the draft. It might have been and, Mikhail Bridges in that elite. I think it was the Final Four game, Oklahoma Nova. Yeah, it, it could have been that game, and no, that was no, when no, I was no, out no, on no, him. No, and I'm no. like, well, he he can't get his own shot in a in a college game. And obviously, Buddy Hield has become a much better NBA player. But you know, a guy like a guy like that with Thibault, like that. There were a couple, you know, there was a Thibault poke from the back. There was a block shot on Heald. Yeah. Um, but then there was the one where he was just dribbling in front of him and he mm-hmm. took it from him. And that, that I think, was the uh, the one I enjoyed the most. Those are my favorite. Because so, I, yeah. it, it's, I'm going to make it about my rec league. I, I'm just going to do it every time. Uh, I don't move my feet as well on defense <laughs> as I can, but I have good hands. And so those are, those are my kind of plays when someone's trying to dribble too much in front of you and you can just poke it out and go the other way. And so sometimes I get caught because I'm not moving my feet as well. But uh, if you put the ball in front of my face and Matisse's face, he's going to poke it out. And that's what I love. So we'll talk about Embiid's other game second. But this was a good game for him in a, uh, in a number of ways. But I thought the best way was he... Now, look, this might be quality of a opponent, too. But th- this was his best passing game, I thought, of the year by far. And his most in control on offense game of the year by far. Well, maybe not by far, but but it was a pretty in control game. And I thought, aside from maybe once, he handled the double teams really well. Um, he only had one assist, but I, I my my eyes tell me I think the only assist was on that Furkan layup. But yeah. my eyes tell me that it was a much better passing game than that. Yeah, a couple. I mean, that great pass on that Furkan layup. Great pass on a on that Embiid. Uh, to Matisse cut that we talked about. There was another wraparound pass to uh, Korkmaz for a three that was right in his pocket. And it was like, it's so odd. I can't figure out Embiid's passing ability because when he decides to, he's very good. 
And then I guess it's just like sloppiness or laziness or lack of focus um, because there's a lot of times when he makes just horrible passes. Um, tonight was a good one. They had, they had a ton of open looks that, he, that they just didn't connect on. They shot 5 of 26 from 3. Can I give you some stats? Can I give you some math? Oh, just drop the fucking math on me, buddy. So drop wh- the math. When the Sixers shoot over 43% from 3, they are 1 and 3. When the Sixers shoot under 30% from 3, they're 4 and 1. <laughs> That's kind of funny. It's very odd. I don't understand it. Um, but I'm okay with it. Them... Eventually, those things will normalize, but right now the Sixers play better when they're missing threes, so let it ride. So you want them to miss the threes? I guess. Or? I don't know. I'm yeah. just looking at the stats. The math tells me what it tells me. I don't interpret it. I just I just read the math. That's what I so, know about analytics is that you don't watch the games. You just read the math. That's what everybody says. Yep. Spreadsheets. Lots of spreadsheets is, and yeah. calculators. Well, the, the, uh, and, and to think that the Thibault game probably doesn't happen if, so Richardson leaves the game with a hammy and Korkmaz comes out in the beginning of the second half and just fucking gets roasted. I mean, um, was it, did Heald make him fall down on that one crossover? Um, like Korkmaz had three of the, the worst minutes you'll see. And then Thibault gets in there because Korkmaz got roasted and that's what that's what caused it. And I did appreciate Brett, not that he has a ton of options, but I did appreciate Brett going back to Korkmaz after the bad three minutes and getting him back in the game yeah. um, and not giving him the netto treatment. All of it. I mean, it's it's the bench tonight. Kylo Quinn was out. Uh, who else was out? Shake. Shake was also out. Yeah. Um, so the bench was Mike Scott, James Ennis, Neto, Thibault, and Korkmaz. Those are the guys who played. Um, and you're just, I think, at any point in time, at least one of those guys is going to play well, and at least two of those guys is going to play like absolute dog shit. <laughs> and so it's a real just spin of the wheel who it's going to be. Um, Mike Scott missed a ton of shots badly. Uh, Ennis did nothing well. Uh, Neto was kind of invisible except for that buzzer beater. Korkmaz, I thought, had a couple nice moments. I thought he, on a, on a few occasions, held his own defensively, um, but then also got roasted a couple of times, and so was Matisse. And uh, I think that's the benefit of having a bunch of guys. I don't know why Jonah Bolden's still here, but uh, for the most part, all those other guys are, are guys that are going to give you something if you just sort of slop them together. And Brett, I think, was like, okay, Ennis doesn't have it tonight. He kept going to Mike Scott. Um, but he didn't really deliver. But uh, Thibault had 21 minutes. Let's ride the hot hand. Uh, and I thought it was a uh, a really in control, good. I you know I didn't pay attention defensively, but uh, you know I I thought overall the Kings had the Kings are fucking slow without De'Aaron Fox, um, and they had a it seemed like a lot of trouble getting good shots. But uh, overall offensively, I thought it was a really good game from Horford too. Um, Hit some nice, uh, you know, like 13-footers uh, off of post-ups. I thought yeah. it was a He's pretty nice, automatic solid on, on, game. in that mid-range. Yep. Um, he loves that little jab step, kind of like look at the guy, look at the guy, look at the guy, go up with it. Um, he played He played really well and just moved the ball and did his thing. This is this is like exactly what we want from, from Horford. 33 minutes, maybe a little high, but fine. Five of nine from the field. Shot three threes, didn't go in, but keep taking them. Uh, 12, seven, and five. Like... Just 
just a perfect like low stress game from a guy who will eventually transition into our backup center. And Bede was great. Um, I can we talk about the defense for a second because the yeah. that's I think what the offense there's there's a stretch during every part of the game when the offense gets really sloppy, and then people look like they hate each other. There's it, it seems like they've never played together before, and then the defense usually brings us back with whether it's intensity from Simmons or in this case Thibault. I thought Simmons also played a pretty good game defensively. Um, but it was there were there's still a couple times when there's just really bad miscommunications and that someone's walking down the lane for a dunk or one ill-advised double team and it's a really quick easy open three for a guy like Bogdanovich who should not be left open and so I it's miscommunication it's laziness it's we're winning so like let's not stick on the gas. I don't know what it is, but there still seems to be too many of those, and uh, hopefully they get cleared up as the season goes on, but you've gone on record as saying this this team is not a flip-switch team, or haven't, has, certainly hasn't earned the right to be, but I still I still see it a lot of the time. Yeah, well, they, there's a lot of teams that think they are. You know, like, I, I, I think it historically in the NBA, you get a lot of teams who think they can do that, but without a player who can, I, I just think the problem with doing that, it, there's a number of problems. And, you know, the, the Toronto game was one of them, uh, just being that if, if they are not going to have home court in games like that, like you're, you're going to face situations uh, in which, because that looked an awful lot like a playoff game, actually, it, it felt like one. It, without a superstar who has a history of being able to put a team on its back and mm-hmm. lead a team, you're depending on too many players to be able to do that. None of which, none on this team have 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 been in that situation. Who you know who have have led teams to that point. And I I don't think uh, I think they should be one of those teams that. And I, I think a lot of us thought this would be the case at the be- like before the season started that they would be a just destroy teams through the regular season team. And I think before you become a championship team, you almost have to be a 60 win team first. You know, it, you have to maybe get through the regular season doing that and not win a championship and then figure out what it really takes. It's such a long process that they've tried to speed up a little bit. And I, I don't believe, look, I don't believe, I think they, they can do a lot of good things this year and grow this year. I don't think they're a championship team really, but I, I certainly don't think they can, you know, waltz through the regular season with 51 wins, be the three seed and win a championship. I don't think that's going to happen at all. No, no, no. So. There's, yeah. I mean, they've got a lot of, of growing to do. Yeah. We take a break from the pod to talk about our sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook sponsoring the Ricky. Also, uh, the presenting sponsor of Fly the Process 5, giving you discounts on Fly the Process 5. Uh, DraftKings Sportsbook just launched in PA. Mike, I had, uh, I had two bets on the game tonight. On DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's hear them. Well, so the thing is, the app is very easy to use, which seems maybe a little bit dangerous to me, but um, it's not just 
the games you can bet on, there's uh, player props and you can bet like half timelines and there's in-game betting. So tonight I went one and one. I had Joel Embiid over 23 and a half points and I think he scored 30. And uh, I had Tobias Harris over 16 and a half. And Mike, he had 14 and three wide open threes. And I just, it just digging my fingernails into my other hand, frustrated that they didn't go in. But um, a lot of fun. Makes the uh, makes the games even more fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, um, but like like I said, there's uh, you can there's in-game betting and there's special odds boosts every day. Um, and there's player props and team props and all that stuff. Futures, DraftKings, you they know. Should, of, they should look into fan-based props of like who will be the scapegoat this game <laughs> percentage of fans that will call for trading everyone or a resignation who, or something who said how many how many tweets are about firing brett after mm-hmm. after a loss i somebody mentioned that they should have they now i don't see g league odds on there but they, they mentioned that they should have a line on the two-way night game so people can bet on oh, the that'd, blue be, fun. that'd yeah. be fun uh, you know DraftKings, obviously the leaders in uh, daily fantasy forever, and now they have a sports book just went live in Pennsylvania, and of course the sponsor of Fly the Process Five. Every Fly the Process Five uh, package is now discounted thanks to DraftKings. So let's see the full packages with airfare, the uh, the triple occupancy one went from six sixty nine a person to six nineteen. Double occupancy went from six ninety nine to six forty nine. A discount on every single package, thanks to uh, DraftKings. Also, DraftKings responsible for that ridiculous T shirt. If you haven't seen it yet, for Fly the Process Five, download the top rated DraftKings sportsbook app right now. Use code RTRS when you sign up for a limited time. All new and existing u- users can get a deposit bonus up to five hundred dollars. That's code RTRS to get a deposit bonus up to five hundred dollars only at. DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I just realized that you're not in PA, so you can't take advantage of this. Mm. Bummer. Well, maybe when you're home. When well, you're home, home. For, uh, for, for the holidays. All right, back to the pod. You're talking, you're talking about the ends of games. And there's obviously Simmons kind of disappears towards the ends of games when, when, it, when it counts. He's in the dunker spot or in the corner or letting somebody else dribble in case they get fouled, whatever it is. And I just, I just don't want, I, I want him like going for it. I want him like head, full head of steam, like really trying to make the plays. Um, he, he does a lot of drive-in kickouts, which works a lot. Um, but he also does, like, drive in, not even look at the basket, and then, like, sort of flips it back. Like, in the Toronto game, Van Vliet knew that a pass, like, a back pass was coming, and he picked him off a couple times. And I think Ben's just got to go, like, right at the rim and try to finish through contact or with authority or whatever and just go to the line and, and make yourself a foul shooter. I, I have confidence in Ben Simmons as a foul shooter. He needs to get there more. Um, I have well, I don't think he shot. I don't think I don't think he shot a free throw tonight. He didn't, and he kind of yeah. didn't even come close to at some point. And there's just yeah. like, just go in, go through people, because a lot of times when you do that, like, 
jump in, elbow, forearm, and then like look back, they're going to call an offensive foul on that because the def- the defender's going to flop. So I'd rather just like use your length and agility to try to just go in, in through and around people, and if they foul you, they foul you. I I need to see more of that. I need to see him be confident in that because as far as ends of games going, like obviously with with the starting five, Josh has been hot lately, although injured. Horford is what he is. Tobias doesn't like to get shots up and or doesn't like to get threes up in traffic. There's obviously not too many pure shooters out there, so they got this team's got to make a living at the line. And aside from Embiid, there's just not not been enough indications that the other guys are willing to take it in and get fouled. I think Tobias does a good job of taking it in. He like he's got a great left hand that he's been going to a lot lately and finishing finishing that way. He was a plus twenty three tonight in thirty three minutes. That's great. Um, he attacks mismatches and closeouts and all that stuff. Fine, but when the defense tightens up at the ends of games, you gotta live at the line. And yeah. I, I want to see more more people, not just Embiid, doing that. Absolutely. I, I I said at one point tonight in the middle of the third quarter, or maybe maybe it was in the fourth quarter that three Sixers had shot foul shots. Like that's such a such an enormous difference from the way that Celtics game it looked the first game of the year. And I know it was the first game of the year, but it really felt like we're going to foul out everybody. You know, like we're, we're going to, everybody's going to draw fouls. Everybody's going to be at the line. Um, and and then the, the Simmons thing with him not shooting free throws. And then like, it was funny on the local broadcast. I don't know if you watched the NBC Sports Network broadcast, but yeah. they talked about those those two fadeaways at halftime, like, like they were celebrating it. And uh, those are... Not good shots. Like they, I, I, I've never seen a guy that's six ten with a guy guarding him that's shorter than him have to fade away seven feet uh, to shoot him. And the first one went in, and the second one was such a brick. But it, it just seems like him having that position, all he'd have to do is pull a dream shake, and he would be at the rim at least getting fouled, you know. Um, and uh, and he doesn't. So. That, that needs to change. Yeah. It really does. And yeah. I don't mind the, the turnaround occasionally if he feels comfortable taking it, especially in that corner. If that's, a, if that's a shot you just feel like, I just feel good taking it, fine. Take it once in a while. But that should be in concert with going towards the rim, making people deal with your height and physicality, and finishing with either hand. And then keep you know running plays for him to get corner threes. Like, let's do more of that. Uh, that's all I have about that game. Do you want to move? Because I wanted to move to the Raptors game, talk about the uh, like a couple of general things, and then move into Embiid. Um, just in a, in a, I guess, a more general sense. We got obviously a bunch of emails about the the zero point game, and I think the Raptors, uh, you know, the Raptors game is a good um, pivot into yeah. that. I love that. Well, every once in a while, I watch the game on delay. So people had already told me that he was he didn't score. Um, yeah. It, every it's a long season. I keep saying this, but it's a long season, and you want like a, a handful of weird shit and like punches in the mouth and like wake up calls that you can be like, okay. And obviously, Marcus Sol has, I don't want to say owned Embiid, but it's certainly been in his head for a majority of the last two seasons. Um, but I think if if you're going to be a top five player in the league, which I don't think Embiid is right now, I don't think no. your top, top top five player in the league can get shut out by Marcus Gasol, who's a good defender, is a smart defender, but he's fucking old. And he's 
definitely lost a step. And Embiid's got to learn how to figure out, no matter who's on him, has to learn how to figure out how to score effectively. He just has to. Um, if you're a top five player in the league, you do that. So I think we'll get there. Um, but I think these kinds of moments, these kinds of wake-up calls of like, I'm not good enough, I'm not there yet, it is healthy over a long season. Well, so I, it was less about the zero points to me and more about how it looked. Because the game, let's say three of his shots go in. Uh, let's say they still lose, but three of his shots go in. And he had six points. And maybe he even hits a free throw and has seven points. It still looked fucking terrible. Like the entire thing looked bad. And I think what it triggered, because I'm not that concerned about him scoring zero points, honestly. I mean, I don't want him to happen, but it, that that part of it is not the thing. But I think what, what it, it made people connect with was the rest of the year and like that it just doesn't seem like he's there. Um, you know, he has moments and games where he's really good but uh, and, and into it, but there's a lot of them where he's not. And it does seem like almost historically when it, when he be, when he gets frustrated and when things are getting tough, he he does not thrive like he a lot of times. And you know my my general concern that I've mentioned a lot is the number of injuries he had he's had, the number of changes that have happened here. Um, you know the fact that they took away the two players that he feels like made life easier on him and replaced them with a guy who plays the same position as him um, and put him in the starting lineup, you know, and this year has been even tougher because of the amount he's been double teamed because of how the roster is constructed around him. I, I worry like that all of that together has created what we're seeing and sort of a lack of joy and a slowdown and all of those things. Um, so that that's my bigger concern about the zero about that game is just how it looked in a in a pressure game. It just didn't look like he was there, I guess, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I th- yeah. I mean, I think that goes with the flip switch conversation we had earlier. Um, who's who knows whether it's conditioning or attitude or whatever. I don't know. This team is, we've said it before, like they're weirdly constructed, they're big, they're built, I think, for a bruising playoff series in the same way last year's team was, maybe even more so. Um, they got better in some areas and worse in others. I think the bench is better, um, at least uh, as a number of playable guys on any given night. Um, but it is going to come down to Embiid. And, uh, and he had a great game tonight, following like a terrible, embarrassing showing on both ends and across the board. Um, against Toronto, and I thought they still should have won that game even with Embiid scoring zero points. Like, Josh Richardson missed all three free throws. That hasn't ever <laughs> happened. He's like a 90% right. foul shooter. Like, a ton of wide-open layups that got missed. Like, here and there, it's just, you know, those things happen in every game for both teams, whatever. But, like, it should be, I take it as, as frustrating as the game was, I take it as encouraging that this team could have the worst game of Embiid's career and still almost beat a good team on the road. And, uh... And should have won. Um, but certainly, you know, if anyone feels wildly confident that this team's going to sleepwalk to a championship, obviously, you know, I think that they're mistaken. I think Embiid should, as everybody should, like fo- focus on what 
areas they can get better in. And and for me, it's I know I talk about this a lot, but for me, it's it's if you're going to be a, a post team and you're going to bully mismatches, then you need to exploit when they're doubling also. That's just as important. And tonight Embiid passed well out of it, but it still seems a lot of times like they're confused when doubles are sent. It seems like they're just not a plan in place. Like there should be, you know, not, I know you're not a Jokic guy, but he's a great passer and he uses his height and vision to make defenses play, pay for sending doubles or trying to help off of whatever. Um, and it just doesn't seem like the Sixers ever make teams pay for doubling, whether that's Embiid or even Simmons sometimes, Tobias, Horford, whatever. It seems like everybody is a step too slow, whether it's the pass or the cut or whatever. When the ball's swinging and you can kick it to the perimeter, like they, this, the team knows where they're going to be. But getting to that point where it's uh, going from the post to like, oh, there's a cutter or, oh, there's the guy in the corner who's open, like it's always a step too slow and they just need to tighten that up and that comes with playing with each other it comes with practice comes with everything the coach instilling that uh in practice whatever whatever you got to do the good thing is now 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 we're not just doing math here we're doing also schedule this is a schedule podcast the sixers will not have to leave the northeast whether that's home games or or close road games until going to detroit on december 23rd there this is the reverse china Everybody's home, their own beds, not having to get on a plane, not having to change time zones. So that's a big deal. So I'm hoping that over the next month or so, this team be like gels because of practice time and not having to deal with bullshit travel and stuff. So this is hopefully a, a big month. And they're still late no at home. So that means a lot. My Well, that's why it's so important that they try to win a lot of regular season games, yeah. though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, I would say the thing that the two things that bothered me the most going away from the Raptors game is one, it seems like that team is as good as the Sixers. And that team was also missing Lowry, missing Ibaka. Um, like a team whose second best player on the court is Fred Van Vliet, who I love, should not feel like they're at about the same level as the Sixers. And um, the second thing is I just look at fucking Siakam, who just keeps fucking getting better every year. Yeah. And like, like we're talking about, think about this. We're talking about, oh, they got a gel and they got a yada, 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 yada. This team lost the fucking finals MVP, arguably the most talented player in the game. And here they are. They're just like, oh, we're just, we're going to win the same number of games anyway. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. It is frustrating watching Siakam just grow and grow and grow every yeah. year and our two guys do not they yeah. just don't you know they don't so I mean not not uh, certainly not to that extent for sure it's not even close it's you know it's well, not even yeah. it's not even the and same Beat world started so. better I would say like it's harder to oh yeah yeah of course to get there but not, not gonna make excuses for why like whether it's Brett or the just team construction or whatever of like hey it seems like the Raptors can and even when Kawhi was out last year, can withstand that loss. And whoever steps up, whether it's like a seven or eight man rotation, because Nick Nurse in the playoffs did not feel confident going deep into his bench. Um, whoever steps up and they they still, between Siakam and Gasol and Ibaka and Van Vliet and even Norm Powell had a good game. Um, St- uh, Rondé Hollis-Jefferson is always weirdly effective against us. Um, 
it seems like they just f- sort of find a way to make it work, and and they get every long rebound anyone's ever seen. Um, and the Sixers are, you know, a, a car crash you can't look away from. And sometimes that car crash <laughs> is successful. I don't know what that would look like. Um, but sometimes they're a successful car crash, but they're always in some ways a car crash. I, I, I feel like over the last couple weeks you've seen Josh Richardson take a real step forward and feel really confident shooting the ball. And that's enormous. Him shooting off the dribble, him shooting off the catch, like him being reliable there. Um, he obviously started really shitty from from the outside, and he definitely got better. And and you could say the same for Tobias, but you just you just wish like, and maybe it's Brett, maybe it's a Brett thing. I don't know. Um, you wish there was a this team always shows up. This team always shows up and delivers, and they have a they have an attitude no matter what. Like I. I want to see that, but it always feels like way more effort than it should. Even in games you're winning, in games that are behind, in in whatever it is, it always feels like a lot of effort. Um, Yeah, I would agree with you. Um, I I wanted to, before we get to a little more uh, Embiid, Friday, um, Black Friday t-shirt sale we're doing again. so the Al Horford Appreciator shirt has been out of stock for weeks now. First of all, all the T-shirts are 30% off. That's the first thing. That's Friday. Just go to our link. Go to the store link at rightsrickysanchez.com. Friday, 30% off. Saturday, 15. Sunday, 15. Some new things. Horford Appreciator is back on Friday. You don't have to go there yet. Go there Friday. All day Friday, we're not going to run out of them. So anytime you go. Uh, the Ricky Beanie, the winner Beanie, is there on Friday. That's there. And then we reprint, reprint the shirt and reprint Process or Die, but per your instruction, the shirt with the names on the back, the legendary Ricky shirt, is in royal blue, like a blue heather, nice soft T-shirt, and Process or Die is in a red heather. So we haven't done, we haven't done blue or red shirts ever. So... That is all Friday at our T-shirt store. Um, what? Processor die back. The shirt. Horford Appreciator. The, the metal one the is there. The hat. What's that? Yeah, I said the beanie. The beanie. And, and then any leftover lottery party shirts from the last one, there are a few still out there. They'll all be there, too. Um, and I think we're actually we're putting the few Mike Scott autographed posters we have left. Won't be 30% off, but I think they'll be like 10% off or something like that. So Friday... Uh, just go to rightsrickysanchez.com and go to the, the T-shirt store link right there on the front page. So Friday. Um, we have a uh, like an email from uh, Marty about Embiid. So maybe that'll get us into Embiid stuff. Hey, guys, I've loved watching Embiid develop on and off the court since being drafted by the Sixers. He's been the absolute heart and soul of the process and the team for so many years. However, this year, my feelings toward him are changing somewhat. It's like you say, perhaps the radiation of one James Butler has tainted him. But I've been thinking more so, perhaps, that he's always been this way, and we've just seen him in a different light due to his early struggles and our desire for him to be the centerpiece of the team. My question is, is Embiid's lack of maturity reason enough to think that he is now finding himself out of place with the current team? And is this lack of maturity what is really holding him back from being MVP worthy? What do you think? I don't know. I don't feel comfortable or equipped to talk about like lack of maturity you know what does that even what does that mean 
Well, I, I guess, like, what is it? I, that, why don't I, I present it to you this way? We were, we were talking about Siakam, um, to, you know, and obviously Embiid was better to start. And, and that's the same thing as Giannis, you know, people that bring up Giannis. But what do you think it is specifically that allows Giannis to, is it talent? Is it like, what is it that allows those players to come back with something new every year? And we'll just talk about Embiid specifically here. And, but I, I think we're talking about Simmons in a lot of ways too, um, to not. What, what do you think it is? What is the difference in them? Um, I don't know. I, it takes some guys more time than others to, to implement. It takes, you know, if the way Simmons plays, if we're just talking about Simmons, the way Simmons plays is a certain way. And if he's always just like intent on attacking the basket and then kicking out to shooters and finding guys, then it's hard to change the way you play. I think that some of it is just work ethic and and deciding, making the choice to like do this. Like I know it's, you know, I I don't know. I think a lot there's so many guys who've never who never got like markedly better in the NBA. I think the elite the truly elite players always add something or or get get better at the even in their areas or whatever. There's a lot of players who just are great and they're great their whole career and kind of never fully evolved past that. Maybe it's a a mindset. But I don't I don't really I I don't feel confident about like diagnosing a player's like psyche and being like he's not killer enough and that kind of stuff it just feels feels just like words well yeah but i i think we have to be able to talk about why they're not better you know i i like i'm i'm not well i think they're great i mean they're i mean they're two i think Embiid and simmons are Embiid is a top 10 15 player simmons i think is top 25 30 at least um they both have wild ups and downs I wish I wish that they I wish that they they got a lot better. I wish that Simmons could shoot. I wish that Embiid uh, didn't turn the ball over as much and um, you know made always good decisions. And um, I think Embiid has improved as a shooter, especially at the foul line um, year to year. Um, I think Simmons improved as a defender, and maybe that's whether that's like watching tape and, and deciding or whether that's just like working on his body, whatever it is. So I do think they've gotten better at things, but you know, in the traditional sense of, Oh, you know, Siakam didn't have that three years ago and now he is doing these things that he, you know, at a high level. I don't, I don't know the answer. I really don't. Yeah. I, I think, you know, that the biggest thing for me for Embiid and I'm not make, I always get accused of making excuses for Embiid and I've been, frustrated with him in a lot of ways this year and not even because of the play I think the Butler stuff has been annoying um but and not just because I don't like Butler but because obviously the coach fucking hates him and uh his teammate hates him and I, I don't think it's cool um but the I think you know you look at Giannis physically and that guy though he's been injured never seems to have any problem you know, like he almost looks built to do this. And the ability every off season 
to bust your ass and not have to worry about hurting yourself by busting your ass, I think is enormous. And these things are cumulative, right? Like if you take four off seasons and each off season work on something new, all, you, at the end of those four off seasons, you have four new things, right? It's not like you just have one. And if you don't have those off seasons, all of a sudden you wake up one day and you are 25 or 26 and your contemporaries have had have added three or four new things or had a down year and then had an up year. And all you've been doing in the off season is like resting enough to be able to play basketball again. And I think for Embiid specifically, I think that is an enormous issue and will be because his his get better time is almost relegated to games, which we've talked about it so much about him getting better during the year, which I, I almost never see with any other player ever. He he the only time I see him really get better is during the year. Um, and it's not that he comes back. I would say last season he came back looking great physically. But but by and large, I think that is the biggest the biggest hurdle for him. For Ben, I, I don't know. Um, for Ben, like I think he, he also could be a guy who hit a higher level so much earlier that I don't, I don't know what growth looks like. There's obviously one thing <laughs> that, that would change a lot of things about him um, that he hasn't addressed yet. But, but that's the thing that I think with Embiid is the biggest problem. Yeah, I think, um, I think for Ben, obviously the jumper, but I would love to see just like more consistent finishing. And yeah. being determined to finish at the rim or get fouled. But that that's I think that's all it's all connected. Yeah. Because the sure. jumper is is connected to the free throw thing. And and you look at the end of boy, his the the two things at the end of the Raptors game for Ben. The one, the there's two ways you could look at that lob to Harris. If he had thrown it correctly, if he had thrown it right, it would have been it would have worked. Yeah, of course. The other thing wide, is... He was wide open. He, He's got to make that play. But if, if he had taken two more steps closer to the rim or three more steps closer to the rim and kept going and not really worried about getting fouled, he probably pulls Siakam to him completely and Harris is, is completely open and gets in, in a, a dunk on it. And then the other thing was shooting that Hail Mary three-pointer with like five seconds left on the clock, yeah. which was crazy. Could you imagine yeah. if that went in, though? <laughs> yeah, always, always looking on the bright side. <laughs> you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's just you know uh, whether who knows. Sometimes the clock the clock runs faster in your head than than it goes in real life. Sometimes, um, and Embiid seems to have the opposite problem with always having the ball at the end of a shot clock and having to hoist up something bad. <laughs> yeah. We take a break from the Ricky to talk about our fabulous sponsor, Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. BigBarker.com slash Ricky. Around my house, we get our dog um, presents for Christmas. So I can't think... Now, he already has a Big Barker. He has a BigBarker.com slash Ricky. But uh, I can't think of a better present. He has a BigBarker.com slash Ricky. Hang on a second. He, he has... He does. The he has, website. Yes. Well, he has he has the, the, the bed that you get at the website. I don't know. He you has, said he has the website. So I want to see him having access to the website, using it, and feeling like it was a gift. <laughs> I, would, I can do that. I'll get the dog using the website. There's no problem with that. Um, if you go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, you get the bed with 
the process pup patch. You get two of them. It's the only place you can get it is bigbarker.com slash Ricky. The reason I say it's a great gift for your dog is because not only is your dog going to love it, but it's the first time your dog will have slept on a real bed supporting that dog's joints because this bed is the only one engineered by experts to support your dog's joints. So as your dog ages and as joints get creaky, just like humans, you don't have them sleeping on some shit bed um, that you got at the pet store that looks really nice. But when, go ahead, this is what I would say. If you don't have a big barker, go over to that dog bed and push on it. You probably feel the floor right through it. That doesn't happen um, with a big barker. And if you get a big barker at bigbarker.com slash Ricky and send us a picture and a bio of your dog on the bed, we'll put them in the process pup section of rights to Ricky Sanchez.com. Um, a real mattress will make your dog feel better just like it would make you feel better. It's just, it's logic. This is not like the experts design the bed, but you don't need to be an expert to understand that sleeping on a real mattress will make you feel better. Uh, 10-year warranty, foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. One year at home trial, try it for a full year. If you don't love it, they will replace it or they'll, they'll give you a full refund and they'll pay for shipping. And uh, if you don't get your dog a big barker, you don't really love it. Handmade in the United States of America, big barker dog beds. Woof. Woof. Back to the pod. Uh, Jimmy Butler said this week that that not all of the Sixers players on not all the Sixers players cared about winning a championship, and they didn't work as hard as him. Um, I mean, that's that has to be a shot, uh, ex- almost exclusively at Ben. Yeah. I mean, he, you know, it's so funny. And it's weird to say after he got smoked. Well, it's insane to say after he got smoked. Forget how weird. It's insane. Well, the other funny part of it is anyone who says, when they ask you about leaving, he's like, anyone who doesn't just say, if he didn't really want to talk about whatever he thinks happened, he would have just gone, had a good run there, wasn't for the best, I'm glad I'm here. But instead, he goes, wink, wink, something happened. It'll come out one day, wink, wink. And he doesn't even wait four days before taking, like, another shot at it. Where, so he where was What's the situation? Because I, I just saw the quote, and I was just like, I just can't consume any more Jimmy Butler talking negatively about his past teammates' content. I just can't. Just um, it was a, um, a Yahoo interview, I think. Does he do all of his stuff? In uh, wait, hold on. I'll uh, let me find it. I believe it was Yahoo. And it's funny. Like I saw the, I saw the first half quote, and the the first half of it did not look that bad. It looked like because they said, um, it was something to the the effect of, not everybody works as hard as me, but that's okay. That's not how everybody works. You know, like not everybody has to show up in the gym at three a.m. And whoever was, yeah, it was, it was Vincent Goodwill of Yahoo, pushed him. He goes, no, 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 that's not okay. And he's, he says, um, but everybody don't do that. Everybody don't work like that. And that's just what it is. I've learned that over the years. Is there something wrong with it? No, there's not. Is everybody playing this game for a championship? Um, some guys are playing for the money, the houses, the cars, the fame. There are so many other things that people can play this game for. Um, you could just be on a talented team and end up in the playoffs. That doesn't mean you're in it to win a championship. So he's obviously not talking about Joel, right? 
Um, the only other person on the team of any me- of any meaningful thing that he could be talking about is Ben Simmons. So this is why I want Embiid to stop with the Jimmy Butler stuff. Um, and even after the Heat game, like posting the fucking picture of Jimmy Butler and him, it's about more than basketball. It's like, oh my God, are we serious? You just fucking ran the guy off the court and we're posting Instagram tributes to the guy? Um, just the worst. He's the worst. Do you think that is part of the... Because it went from the Heat game right to the Raptors game, right? What do you mean? They were back-to-back games. Winner. No, they were not. They were not. The, the, well, they were. They were. They were in order. Yeah, that's what I But meant. back to yes, yes, yes. But yes, so yes. the Raptors game was right after. Yes. Posting the thing. Uh-huh. Jimmy, man, Chernobyl is exactly the right way to describe it. There is a Chernobyl effect going on. Many of the Sixers, and especially Embiid, has uh, radiation poisoning. We need some iodine and a nice, warm, lukewarm red to keep that chemistry going. I think, like, honestly, is, Jimmy should not be allowed on the premises. Like, I would almost no. rather, like, let's not, let's, let's see him. I mean, I'm worried about a, would I be worried about a Sixers Heat uh, series? No, I think we could take them pretty easily. Would I be worried about Embiid spending so much time with Jimmy and Jimmy being around like creating rifts in Simmons and Bede situations. Yeah, absolutely. If we're having fucking dinner with him every night, no, thank you. I think I, I said it on, I don't, I don't think we talked about this, but I tweeted that I, my, I wasn't sure if I'm fully serious about it. And I got some, some people reached out to say like, yeah, this is actually, we have, we agree. Um, but we, I think that Jimmy just continues to talk to Embiid to like fuck with him and create rifts with him in the Sixers still. I, think, I love that. I think he is poisoning the, I, the well. I'm being like, you're better I, than that. You're going to finish somewhere else. They don't love you there like we would. Like, don't talk to him. Stop FaceTiming him. I, I love that somehow we've come to a point where you're accusing Jimmy Butler of worse shit that I've ever accused him of. There's, it's a like, poisonous thing. I want, I, want all, I want a tape of Jimmy shitting on Embiid privately to leak out. And I want to show that to Embiid uh, and say, like, this is your fucking enemy. Let's wow. go get his ass. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. A um, few mailbag questions. You can send us questions to writesrickysanchez at gmail.com. This comes from Normal Collar. Uh, Spike, I love the Jimmy bashing. Please, oh, by the way, I, so I wrote this very nasty Jimmy Butler thing after the, the Heat game um, where I called him a fake superstar. And I sent it to um, Chris Carlin, who I used to work with at WIP. And I was like, hey, this feels pretty nasty. Is there anything I should take out of here? And he's like, well, maybe you shouldn't call him an asshole. And I said, okay. And he said, I don't know, calling him Chernobyl seems a little strong. Maybe you should take that out. So I took out Chernobyl. Um, I just put in radiation instead of Chernobyl. Great. So, yeah. So from Normal Collar, I love the Jimmy bashing. Please keep doing you as you were right all along. I personally, despite his flaws, love him as a player. And I'm glad for both sides that the Richardson deal was on the table. Um, uh, The last thing I will note that the first leak of Jimmy's frustration with the team around this time last year was over a lack of pick and roll. Doesn't exonerate Jimmy from being Jimmy, but holy hell, can we please have more pick and roll with this team? 
What do you think? So there was some Josh Richardson and bead pick and roll tonight, mm-hmm. uh, more th- than I, I remember I'd seen. Yeah, Simmons that, also set screens, Horford pick and pop. I just want, yeah. you know, I want some legitimate pick and roll that ends in a layup or a dunk. And it seems yeah, like we never the, the, get that. The, pr- the problem is that they don't have a lot of ball handlers mm-hmm. who are capable of it. Yeah, not, for sure. Not, you know. Uh, oh, man. He wrote how to pronounce his name in the email, and I didn't write the pronunciation, so I'm going to find it because I feel like an asshole now not pronouncing his name correctly. His name is uh, Itamar. Okay. Um, there we go. From Itamar. Hi, Spike and Mike. Longtime listener, first-time mailbagger here. I'm going to two-way night in December, breaking a years-long running joke with friends in which I refuse to recognize the existence of the state of Delaware. I'm bringing along my dad, a former Boston sports fan turned Cataldi listener whose dream is to develop hoagie mouth despite having moved to the area when he was 35. Wish me luck. My question for you is as follows. Why have you not acknowledged the fact that about three months ago, the NBA put out new guidelines for height measurement, which no team but the Sixers took seriously, leading to Joel Embiid being formally declared a sub-seven-footer. Why were the Sixers alone in taking these guidelines seriously? Could this be some further retribution plot by Dave Silver in which the 29 other teams were privately given permission to ignore the height guidelines? And why has the Ricky, a podcast which actively seeks the most trivial Sixer stories of the day, which has put out emergency pods for summer workout videos, kept a deafening silence on the issue? The listeners demand to know. Condolences to Mike on his rec league team and best wishes for his possible off-season surgery. It, we did never talk about Embiid being listed at 6'11 and a half. Yeah. And I, I don't even, I can't even remember any other notable height things happening on different teams. No. It's only us. Yeah. And Embiid, Embiid's one of those guys, you know how like Durant every year, people are like, he's 6'11. Oh, I think he's 7'1 this year. Durant might be 7'3". Like, he, he's a guy whose height grows, and I think Embiid was the same thing. We had him at 7'2", and now he's at 6'11". What are we going to do about this? Oh, man. I feel like I'm loaded up with pet issues. Um, I can't bring myself to care. It's fun. It's fun that the Sixers are the only team that took it seriously, especially for a team <laughs> yeah. of bullies. You'd think that they would uh, evade the law a little bit more. Um, I, don't, I don't mind... Embiid being listed shorter and then people being surprised by length. How giant he is. That doesn't, that doesn't bother me, but I mean, maybe they only did it to the Sixers because they had to normalize the Sixers' height. It's like, look, they have too many big guys. Let's at least make them list them without shoes and then we can go from there. Um, I'm only going to ask you half of this question. This is from Tom. Huge fan of the pod. I was brainstorming on my daily commute to work today when I thought of something fun. We have two beloved Sixers who have signature drinks, Joel with his Shirley Temple and Mike Scott with his Jack uh, and no ice. I was wondering, if you had to give each Sixer and yourselves a signature drink, what drink would you give them? I think Matisse's drink would be a club soda because he's so innocent and adorable. And Furkan's would naturally be Rocky because he's Turkish. You, Mike, I would ask you what we're, we're going to discount uh, Colony Mead. We cannot pick Colony Mead. What would your signet? What is your signature drink? Uh, what do you do? You have a do you have a drink that you always order when you go to a bar if they do not have Colony Mead? Uh, I mix it up. I like an old fashioned. I like a dirty mm, martini, yes. uh, vodka. Oh, old fashioned. Are we talking rye, uh, bourbon? Uh, do you have a preference there? Anything, whatever. I I don't have a discerning okay. palate. 
I've found. Okay. So I'll, hmm. I'll just uh, I'll drink it and enjoy it. Um, but yeah, I would say those are my two main drinks. I'm 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 pretty new to martinis, but I do like them a lot. Um, and I like an old fashioned, and then like a fun like a any sort of uh, like mezcal based cocktail. I think is pretty cool. Uh, I am a uh, I'm a bourbon and scotch guy, but if um, if pressed to what my normal drink is, if there is not Colony Mead, I am a Maker's Mark on the rocks guy. I'm just a bourbon bourbon with ice guy. No mixer, no anything else. Mm-hmm. Do love an old fashioned though. Do love an old fashioned. And final question, Mike Spike, huge fan of the podcast, diehard process truster. I think you guys need to have your come to Jesus moment. And by Jesus, I mean Sam Hankey. When something doesn't work, it's better to recognize it sooner rather than later. For that is the way of the process. That is the preaching of Sam, and it applies to our three-headed core. Brett Brown, Joel Embiid, and Ben Simmons have gone as far as they can go together. The team's clutch stats don't seem to measure up to contender status. They are a plus 2.2 net rating in 42 clutch minutes this season. Teams like the Lakers, Bucks, and Raptors are above plus 20. The Celtics are plus 14, and all of these teams have had their share of roster shakeup. In fact, the Sixers are 16th in the league in clutch net rating. Their overall offensive rating is 107.6, but their clutch offensive rating is 101.6. You can't win playoff games if you can't win close games. It's year three, and Ben's shooting hasn't improved. It's year four for Embiid, and he still can't read a double team. He still makes horrible decisions at the end of games. Um, da, 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 da. At some point, you have to look at the coaching staff's inability to iron out obvious and serious kinks in their two franchise players' games. Something has to give, and the first step is always to replace the coach. I know you guys like Brett and want to be on the Team Chill team. The team Chill, trust me, I get it. I hope Brett Brown would be here to see this through. But it's clear to me that the Joel Ben Simmons pairing is just too difficult for him to figure out. Every game, the three of them suit up together is just wasted time. It's another road to a second round exit. It's time for the next guy to give it a shot. That sucks. Shut up. <laughs> that sucks. We're doing 42 crunch time minutes in fucking November. That's what we're to- talking about. Get out of here. Get out of here. That's insane. Sixers starting lineup as five is one of the best starting lineups in the league. They have they lost more like one game when they're healthy together. They're, it's look. Well, is everything the Toronto game? Is, yeah, that's that's what I was talking about. Is there is everything yeah. perfect? Absolutely not. But like. Break up everybody, trade them, like fire Brett. Like, well, that's insane. not what he's saying. That's not what he's saying. He is saying that he believes that, like, let me whittle this down. He believes that, that let's not worry about the clutch time minutes. He believes that it's, it's better to move too early than too late. We're not going to move either of those two players. The, co- the coach is the first thing to go. Don't you think it's the right thing to give another coach a shot to figure this out. Yeah, it doesn't maybe. look like I they mean, figured I, I, it. This is the this is now Simmons' third season. Last season yep. they I, we don't have to go through it, but they the it bounced four times. And if it didn't, then the Sixers are in the conference finals against the Bucks, a team that I was not scared of last year and I think they would not, advance. Not it. necessarily. Not necessarily. If if the ball does not go in, they have to play overtime. For sure. But it could like if we're getting that close, if the Sixers are overtime, look, they get they get to the conference finals, they play a Bucks team that I think there's they were last season very well equipped to beat, and then they go play a weak a shorthanded Warriors team. So 
like there's a chance that the Sixers won the championship last year, like flat out. Mm. And a, like a pretty good one, I would say. So to then say like, nah, it's not working. Like there's so much luck involved in sports. There's so much. And all you can do is get as much, many talented guys as you can together and instill like a good culture of like everybody feeling good and wanting to play together. It seems like this season especially, this team has a culture that everybody's positive of, at least per that Zach Lowe article, and the time they watched a game together and go get six. <laughs> That's fine. That's enough for me. I'm settling for it. So, like, firing Brett, I you know, I think Brett's a good coach. Do I think he's one of the best coaches in the league? Probably not. I think he's one of the, you know, he's top 12, 10, 12, something like that. Um, and I think that if, if you're saying, hey, we need Embiid and Simmons to play well together, Firing the guy who is like kind of the bridge between them as far as knowing Simmons most of his whole life and having the Australia connection and being with Embiid, Embiid and Brown as the only two guys that like to last this whole rebuild. Um, that's Brett seems like a guy that, you know, Embiid wants to make it work for Brett. Simmons wants to make it work for Brett. If you if you bring in some random nobody like fucking Scott Skiles something then who who's, like, invested in this anymore? I'm not saying that, like, eventually go with that. Sure, if, if, if Brett doesn't get it done this year or maybe next year or whatever it is, then, like, you absolutely have to explore how can this team with, with such high-level talent, like, get to the next level. But to say, like, got to fire the coach, time to do it, crunch time minutes, fucking November, like, get out of here. It's fine. Like, the team is weirdly assembled, and it's taking time to get there. You can see it come together. You can see what an eight or nine man rotation in the playoffs look like. Like they're an imposing team, and a lot of it is fucking luck. So if everybody's happy, playing well, looking looking like this is the team we want to go to war with, then like I feel good about Brad. I feel good about the team. Okay, I thought it was an interesting question. Just the giving somebody else like yeah, I don't know. I I. He's nothing's going to happen in the middle of the season. That that's what I would say, especially without a obvious old guy on the bench, without like Mike D'Antoni lurking like a vampire mm-hmm. behind behind Brett. So nothing's going to happen during the season. But if they lose in the second round, he ain't going to be here next year. I mean, that's I think that's probably pretty clear to everybody. So probably we'll see what happens. Probably yeah. Uh, all right. We uh, what well, we got back to back Friday night and seven, Saturday night. How about uh, let's have not. No, no Joel uh, playing back-to-back. Friday is what? The Knicks? What is Saturday night? Um, Friday. Oh, Pacers. The return of TJ McConnell oh, cute. to Philadelphia. So that's exciting. Yeah, I, so, would love, I would love Embiid to sit against, the, sit against the Knicks and then go play against the Pacers against Miles Turner, yeah. who he always seems to cook. Uh, Choke TJ. I do want to say, yeah, definitely enjoy a little reunion with TJ. I do want to say... Um, I feel like I've been hearing the names Ilyasova and Bellinelli a lot, and I, I can't express how, how frustrated it makes me to this day. Most things I can I can brush off as like oh the bad people's takes, but like holy shit, holy shit, man, they're not good, and they were never that good. And Ilyasova's good. He's fine. He's fine. Oh. He's fine. Um, but like, there's got there's guys who hit shots. Those guys, those guys were not some fucking heaven sent, you know, 
ridiculous. Like they're the they're the real superstars. Like they're fine. They're fine. And if they were here, they would barely play. <laughs> Jesus who, Christ. Who who are you? Who are you? Fo- who is saying this? everyone I, all I, the I, time? I, all the time. Every no. broadcast. If you ever listen to a national broadcast about the Sixers, the names Bellinelli and Ilyasova will come up every time. Why are you listening? You hate national because broadcast. Because I can't. Why do they you don't. Even I don't get the na- the. If it's national broadcast, I don't get the the local the local. But just stream. listen to listen to listen to some music. No, or I something. need the ambiance. I need the on court ambiance. Uh, okay. If there's a way to like right. boost the court and. Lower the volume, whatever. Anyway, I also wanted to say before we go, shouts to everybody in attendance today for booing the shit out of Nemanja Bialica. Fuck them. Oh yeah, did they? Yeah, I couldn't hear they it. Did. And that's okay, why, that's and that's why you listen with audio. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Good point. All right, we will. Uh, we'll talk to you Sunday after the uh, after the back to back. That's it. Uh, t-shirt sale Friday. Get your t-shirts. Get your t-shirts. Happy yeah, Thanksgiving. T-shirts here. Happy Thanksgiving. We're thankful for you, the listener. Most of you. Not every one of you, but most of you. All right, are you done with TTP? Yeah, you know, lick face. Say the name, say the name.